Obviously not. God can work anytime He wants to. But I praise Him. How many people made a decision last night? Put your hand up. Now look around and see people made decisions. You say, well, I didn't. It's okay. Maybe you're all right with God as it is. But how many people made decisions? That's great. But I'm going to give you one final challenge today. I'm going to make it real simple, make it interesting. I'm going to use some verses from the Bible, but I'm going to use some pictures and a, a clip or two here and there that I think make it really stick in your mind. What is this thing called faith, what I do with it now? Um, some of you got saved years ago. But as Jason was saying last night, some of you might just feel like, when I fall away from the faith, is that, am I lost? Um, no, it's just like a uh, a muscle. You don't have to show me your muscle, but that's okay. If I use my muscle and it becomes stronger, it'll probably become bigger. And I'll go lift weights sometimes in the gym with people, and it's obvious. As soon as they walk in the gym, I think, that guy lifts weights. Why is it so obvious? Yeah, he's about like, you know, he looks like a tree with legs, so he just walks in. I'm thinking, boy, he's... Well, some people, I don't look real strong, but I can, you know, I bench pressed 290. I went out at 300 a couple weeks ago and said, wow, that's a lot of weight. So I think I surprise some people sometimes, and you'll lift, and they think, wow, you're strong. It's just no, it's not quite as evident. But that's okay. Some people look strong, and they are strong. I don't look that big, but I feel like I can hold my own, especially when you're sitting there bench pressing with 20-year-olds in Roanoke College, and they think, wow, that's pretty good. They didn't finish that statement. I know what they're thinking. That's pretty good for an old man, but that's okay. But they're 20 years old, and I'm 53, and we're benching the same thing. So really, who's the strongest? Yeah, in a way, because, man, that guy, he's, but we're lifting pretty good. But then there's other people, and they'll come in and go, I, I can lift that. And you'll put a weight on them on the bench, and they'll take it off. Oh, you don't have to get this off. And that person thinks that they're what? But they're not. Now, if we work our muscles, the person's still got muscles, by the way. Well, picture this muscle being faith. The more I use it, the stronger it gets. Well, if I don't use it, it doesn't get that strong. But if you ask Jesus Christ to say, and say, Lord, I, you are the Son of God. I believe with all my heart. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose again the third day. You're seated in the heaven right now at the Father's right hand, and you said, Whosoever shall call on you shall be saved. So, Jesus, would you save me? And he says, Absolutely. And he saves you. Now, that's sort of like a muscle now. But if you don't use that faith and don't strengthen it, it doesn't get real strong. And in a while you think, Lord, am I saved? Well, are you? Yes. If you ask him to save you, he saved you. How long does Jesus Christ save you for? Forever. That's it. So when's forever end? It doesn't end in a week. That's it. So I'm saved for all eternity. So if I say, Jesus, would you save my soul? He says, got it. And he writes your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. Now, in a couple of days, you sin. Remember, I told you you would. Your name's still in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I don't feel saved. <laughs> My muscle doesn't go away if I don't exercise it. It might be weak. It might be flabby. But it's still there. Well, I don't feel like it's there. It's still there. Let me tell you something. If you don't have to write it down, but I wish you'd memorize it. The angel... When God writes down, if he gave a pen to an angel, whether God does or not, let's just say he writes your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Whoever writes your name in the Book of Life, everybody believes uh, there's a Book of Life in heaven? The Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation tells you that. Got news for you. Whoever writes your name 
does not ever use an eraser. So how can you be saved and then lost? You either never were, or you just don't have power right now. So I'm telling you this, when you say, Lord, save me, that we've got to exercise that faith so you will see the results and you say, okay, because really what it is is you're having doubts. And when you have a doubt, you know, oh, I don't know if I can do this. So what's this thing, thing called faith? It's like a muscle. If you use it, you'll become stronger. I'm going to encourage you. Remember, faith is what saves you, not emotions. Emotions will change, but your faith remains. Can you memorize that? Your emotions will change, but your faith remains. See, I told Jenny that I love her. On the day that I got married, on my wedding day, there's probably tears running in my face. Since then, we have been married, since 1981, we've been married 27 years. On one certain day, not a lot of days, but on one certain day, what if I get up and I'm a little bit aggravated at her or she's aggravated for me? I don't have the same emotions that I did on the day I said I do. I'm not weeping. She's not crying. I'm not in the tuxedo. She's not in the wedding dress. But I tell you what, I still love her. I'm still married to her. Well, I'm mad at her. Okay. I get mad at God sometimes. I try not to do that often. But sometimes, Lord, why don't you do this? Then I apologize for it. But God, I'm still His. Well, I'm mad at Him. If you get mad at the brother or sister, you're still their brother and sister. I was born, I know you'd find it hard to believe, but I was born, uh, my name is Ira Edgar Moser. My mom's name right there, my parents' names were Tyree and Irene. Well, if you went back and found this uh, woman, Irene Moser, Irene Moser had a dad. His name was Ira Reed. My dad had a dad. His name was Edgar Moser. They took my two grandfathers, put their names together, and called me Ira Edgar. I am my grandparents. They died, and about ten years later I was born. So I'm the walking memory of my grandparents, Ira, Reed, and Edgar Moser. And they put me together. And I used to think growing up, think, man, everybody, say your name. Somebody's John, Tom, Bob, and I'd go, Edgar. Man, Edgar's sort of weird. Well, growing up, there's not a lot of Edgars. But I'm proud of my name right now. Why? Because there's not a lot of Edgars. But there's something more, because I carry with my name the memory of my grandfather. So Ira, my grandfather, Edgar, my grandpa, put them together. Now, my dad, Tyree Moser, and my mom, Irene Moser, what if I got mad at them? I never did this. What if I got mad at them and run away from home? Am I still Tyree Moser's son? Yeah. yeah. What if I get another family in Canada and Vancouver to come down and they adopt me? Take me to Vancouver. I'm still Tyree Moser's son. Wherever I go, I'm still his son. I can't undo that. I can change my name. I can move to Bulgaria and call myself Zindulala. And if I want to do that, I'm still Tyree Moser's son. And if Jesus Christ comes over and he saves me and picks me out of the river of sin, if you want to call it that, saves me and brings me over here and sets me down, I'm saved. And a few days later, when I don't feel saved, it's like I don't feel like I'm married, or I don't feel like I'm Tyree's son. I'm still Tyree's son. I'm still married. And I'm still God. She say, so what you're saying is when I doubt it, I'm still saved. I, I just don't feel strong. Right. 
So what do we need to do to help you have more confidence in your salvation? We need to work that muscle called faith. I was born September 22nd. I can't change that. I can't decide to have a birthday on August the 5th from now on. Final suggestions for you. I can't predict what you will become in 10 years. Again, my x-ray machine spiritually, I wonder what he's like. See, with God today, ooh, out, you know. What if I had a machine to come over and say, this is what you're going to be doing in 10 years? Really? I saw a commercial on TV that this little boy was talking. He said what he would become in 10 years. And I thought that was sort of odd. Maybe you've seen this commercial before. If you, if you don't, I'll just set it up for you. In Alcoholics Anonymous, in an AA meeting, they will surround like this, and they'll come in and they'll say, tonight we have a guest. His name is, let's say, Tom. Can you say hello to Tom? And the whole group, like you would say what? Hello, Tom. And Tom goes, hello, Tom, would you like to tell us about your problem? And Tom says, well, I'm... And he tells you his problem. And sometimes he might say, I'm an alcoholic and I have problems. And Why do they put him in that group? Because everybody in that group's what? Alcoholics. And he suddenly feels at home. Well, some of you came up last night and said, I'm struggling with... And you can just fill in the blank. And I, you know what? I reassured you to say, welcome to the club. We all in here struggle with something. So you mean I'm not weird like the devil tries to make me feel? No. Now remember, I want you to stop. We want to pray to stop that sin. But no, you're just human. In John chapter 8, the woman was caught in adultery, came forward, and Jesus says, Who condemns you? And she says, No one. He says, Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Check out this little clip. It's just a minute commercial, but watch what this boy says. He's going to predict the future. We can't do that, but he can. Just hang on. If you've seen it, let everybody else see it. I hope it just plays all right. So far, it was filmed in a blue room with blue people. This is only a minute commercial, so if you listen pretty good, you won't miss a thing that he says. And if this boy is about 10 years old, anybody in here 10? You may hear 12. We're going to predict your future right here. Not really, but... I, okay, shh, be real quiet. Here you go. Maybe... Sorry, Uncle Paul. Let's just hear it for Uncle Paul. Well, for Uncle Paul, I'd have to be racing back around doing that, and he knows more about this stuff than I do, so uh, we're just working together. I recorded this uh, on an Andy Griffith tape. So. Was that students here were quiet, informal meeting in a homey kitchen? Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> don't worry, hang on, Andy Griffith ends in a commercial day. Well, here's your man right here. Bishop, <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Wasn't it funny? Awesome, Harapa. Mr. Griffith, Mr. Griffith, you know, don't you forget these. What's this? <laughs> Sandwiches for the road. Now you know you'll get hungry. Oh, thank you. And fish. Everybody will get the phone call. Me knows me booty be mine, huh? He says he has gained ten pounds. 
it should happen to you. Oh. <laughs> You're a character, you know that? How do you say his name again? Vasilyevich. Anyone else? My name is David, and in eight years, I'll be an alcoholic. I do. I'll start drinking in middle school, just at parties. But my parents won't start talking to me about it till high school. And by then, I'll already be in some trouble. Kids who drink before age 15 are five times more likely to have alcohol problems when they're adults. The thing is, my parents won't even see it coming. So start talking. Who's next? Before they start drinking. Chemistry. Okay. I just want to give you, he is... How old is that little boy? And he says... Now, I, you're not 16, most of you, but if I said you're 12 years old, in four years you will be, and if you'd fill it in, he said, I'll be an alcoholic, because they said most people that drink before they're 15, it's hard to let it go after that. Well, I can't predict yours, but uh, i give you a couple hints. I, I'm not saying we'll become alcoholics, I'm not saying it will be, but we will falter, so if you've got a pencil or a pen or whatever, if you just want to memorize these things, I'm going to give you some things that hopefully will help you. They're going to be real simple. I'm going to read a few scriptures right here to you. I didn't write this. Paul beat me to it. The Apostle Paul wrote some things that I think fit us exactly. All you have to do is listen if you want to. Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 3 Paul's charge to Timothy. Let's pretend that Paul is on the last day of camp, hmm, like us, and he gets one more chance to talk to Timothy. He does, and he writes down things for him. Right here they are. And you say, well, Paul, see him again. Well, maybe not, because Paul's getting ready to die. So Paul thinks, what can I tell this young man named Timothy that will do him good the rest of his life? Paul's charge to Timothy. And I could say this to you all right here. Some verses just hit exactly what I want to tell you right here. So please listen. Don't worry about your friends beside you. Say, okay, pretend like Edgar's talking only to me. Here's your word. Word for the day. You, however, know about my teaching. And you do this week. You've seen me teach. You know about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me? Now Paul says, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch? Timothy, you know it's been sort of tough in my life, but watch what he says. Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, in those towns, sometimes it's tough. I could race those towns and put your towns in here. You know what happened to me in Johnson City. You know how I've been through some tough things. I can make them local for you. Then listen to his words. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you go back home and say, I'll never falter again, Paul's a liar. And Paul's not a liar because God told him to write this. Everybody who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. So when you bow your head at your lunch table in school and people go, look at you. Paul already told you it happened. Well, what do you do? Goody two-shoes over there? What are you doing bowing your head and praying? Because Jesus is important to me. Well, he ain't to me. I'm sorry you feel that way. And this go on. You will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, it's 
probably what sometimes you think in schools, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, here's what I want you to do. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Keep being like you were last night. That's what I'm telling you. But I can't do that at home. Well, you've got God and you at the house. Why can't you? Well, I don't have this camp. You don't need the camp. It's great to have it. But I, I hope you understand. I appreciate you guys, and some of you have blessed my heart by coming up and talking to me. But you don't need me to be a blessing. And I don't really need you. Now, of course, I like my friends, and you like me. I'm not saying, but I, I'm, when I get along sometimes, if I say, God, I just got to talk to you. Oh, God, it's not camp or my friends aren't around. I don't guess I can. And God says, no, go ahead and talk to me. I mean, sometimes, anybody ever go to a family reunion? Sure. And you look around, you see people that you're kin to, and you say, well, I love this. But then you go home and you go, I wish I could see Grandpa more. I wish I could see Uncle Bob or whatever his name is more. But I, I'm sitting here thinking of him, and it blesses me. Same thing. You don't have to have a family reunion every day of your life. Matter of fact, it would probably drive your mom crazy if you did. Watch this. And from infancy, even when you were young, you knew the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation. That's what some of you have done through faith in Christ. Some of you are talking, please, you're distracting people around you, and God's going to you know, hopefully get you a word across here. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You can be equipped... If you got some verses in you, then you can be like a man of God or a woman of God. And here's what he says. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of the appearing of his kingdom, I give you this charge. Here comes these big... He says, preach the word, or in other words, know your Bible. Be ready in season and out of season. That means when you feel like it or when you don't feel like it. So that you can talk to others, yeah, correct, rebuke, encourage, use patience, instruction, so that you can give, in a way, your testimony to others. There's going to be some people at the last, he says, this is a weird way of saying it, but listen to it. He said there's going to be some people, verse 4, they will turn their ears away from truth. They want to have their ears tickled. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Uh, he said in some churches a preacher will tickle your ears. And you say, oh, I guess he comes around and does this. Everybody, no, no. He says words that he thinks everybody just sort of, he sugarcoats it. Is there a hell, by the way? Absolutely. And if I say, you just do your best, God will bless you. No, your best is as filthy rags. And you better accept Jesus Christ or you've got a choice of heaven and hell. And right now, I hope you choose Jesus. And see, some people don't do that. Some preachers just do your best. Wow, it's not a pep talk. So that when you get through, here's what Paul says. Keep your head... In all situations, endure hardship, do the work, and be like me. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Remember we talked about a race? I have finished the race. I have kept my faith. Some of you feels like your faith gets weak. Let's read these through. Number one at the top, let the Father motivate you. I appreciate my wife, my son. I appreciate my daughter-in-law, Ashley. I appreciate my family. But right there is the person that motivates me. So if my wife does get mad at me, Cody, you okay over there? I thought we were sleeping against the wall now. If, uh, 
Just hang on there. You can sleep the rest of your life. This is my final charge. I wonder if Timothy fell asleep while Paul was giving him. Timothy, I'm going to die in a couple of weeks. They're going to probably cut my head off. I'm in prison now. Timothy, what do you think of my final advice? Good, Timothy. It just blesses my heart so much that my words are so important to you. Timothy falls asleep and falls down. and Then he gets up two weeks later and Paul's dead. And you go, I wonder if I can get advice from Paul. That's right. He's, he's gone. Yeah, okay, you can go ahead and sit down. Yeah. Let the Father motivate you. He's my motivation. Give you one quick example there. My favorite show on TV, Andy Griffith. Little Opie's about eight years old. He's Opie the Birdman is when he took a gravel shooter and in that episode, anybody ever know that? And the bird falls to the ground and yeah. Well he came over and, and I thought this was sort of cruel, but it's not really. They were filming that episode and they wanted Ronnie Howard is his name. They wanted Opie to have tears because he was supposed to be sad that the bird died. And he'd go, oh, bird's died, and, you know, I'm sad. And his dad, Rance Howard, happens to be on the set, and he'd come over and he said, Ronnie, come here a minute. And he reminded him, he said, remember that little animal you had at home? And he didn't have a bird, but he had like a little puppy or something. That puppy had died. He said, remember how you felt when that puppy died? He put Ronnie right back on the set. Ronnie's actually crying real tears right there because he's thinking of his own puppy. So when he goes over to pick up that bird, he's actually crying real tears, and he's sad because of a memory that hit him. And he'd say, oh, his dad knew how to what? Motivate him. Actors will sometimes say, where's my motivation? Give me what I... Well, next week when you go, where, where's that motivation? God where, God will give it to you. Well, I don't know if I feel... Spend time with him. He'll give it to you. God will motivate you just like Ronnie Howard's dad motivated him. Read your Bible. Stay humble. Get up when you fall. Don't stay down. Step out in faith daily. Don't be afraid. God's with you. Now, I took these seven steps right here, I mean six steps, and I found a movie clip that's got them all. And in this movie clip, this man has got to do something. And his father motivates him because his father needs him. So he motivates him and he goes through this. And he knows, he opens up his word, starts reading. He's got to know something about Jehovah or he's not going to make it through. He falls, but he gets back up. He takes a step of faith that none of us would probably want to take and he makes it. You mean that's us? I've taken what I want you to do next week. Watch it on the screen and you'll see what this man does. This is you and I next week. Hopefully the Father will motivate us. This man's Father motivates him. And see if you don't see the steps that some of you actually wrote down a minute ago. Hang on. What's step number one? Final suggestions. Let the Father motivate you. And read your Bible. You can't save him when you're dead. The healing power of the grail is the only thing that can save your father now. It's time to ask yourself what you believe. What do you believe? Well, if it's God, next week at school, whatever, it's time to ask yourself, what do you believe? You're going to put your money where your mouth is? And he says, yes, and this will be you at school. It's a perfect illustration. You'll begin to walk slowly, 
and you might even stop. You think, boy, this is scary living this new faith that Edgar talked about and that God wants me to do. There will be scary things in your life. There will be people that make fun of you. And you'll have doubt that you're still here. And you'll start taking those steps. And sometimes it means like it's uphill. And then you'll open that Bible in the morning. And you'll read about God. And you'll be motivated by the Father. He says penitent, penitent. Penitent means humble. Bow before God. You must be a humble servant to God. Don't be cocky when you talk to God Almighty. And his father is his motivation. He says, I've got to be a penitent man, penitent. I've got to be humble. I've got to bow before God.
Got a couple things to ask you out of that clip right there. If that doesn't describe me and you, a penitent man, penitent, 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 got to be humble before God. Don't ever go in there. God, help me today. That's God Almighty that spoke us into existence, and you're going to treat him like that? God, you know how humble you felt face to the ground last night? That's what we need to pray every day. God, thank you. I'm back home now. I'm sitting in my room. Camp's gone. But you know, you're still the same God that spoke to my heart that night. And I gave myself to you. Or I rededicated my life to you and I'm just humble before you. Jesus, I need you today. He'll answer that humble prayer. And then he, once he got through that, he came up and he talked about Jehovah. Of course, in the Latin, it starts with an I. He took a step and stepped on the wrong thing and almost fell. If we don't know our word pretty good, you'll fall. But then what did he do after he fell? He got back up. Better check this word. That's right. It goes J. It's an I in Latin. And he walks. And if you know your word, if you know Jehovah, you'll walk through. Then he comes up to the next one, the hardest part. And see, it takes faith to get saved. But it takes me faith to walk every day. I don't just use faith once. I don't say, I love you on the day we're married. And if it ever changes, I'll let you know. I need to tell her I love her more than that one day of marriage. I need to tell God, God, you're testing my faith again, aren't you? Because my mom and dad argue a lot. My brother gripes at me. i got teachers I'm not too... But you and I together make a team, don't we? God says, I can do all things. Lord, you're testing my faith again. That's what makes it stronger. I don't really like it when people say, you know, I mean, not it's just a little bit of a pet peeve. But I'm gonna, and if I say, how much can you bench press, Mr. Moser? I can bench press 290. When did you do that? About a week ago. Wow, that's good. Don't you sort of cringe when people say, I can bench press 300. When did you do that? 20 years ago. I can, do you know I can run a mile five minutes, two seconds? You say, well, that's great. No, I did that in high school when I was a senior. I'd be lucky if I could do it in ten minutes right now. I can't live in the past. And some of us do that. As our I got saved. Yes. Well, that's great. What have you learned since then? Now you're embarrassed because hardly anything. You're sort of like a muscle. Yeah, you used it. It's been so long you can't even tell. You better know the word. You can't read a, a chapter a month and expect God, God just blessed me. I read your Bible. Well, I can't remember, but anyway, don't you feel embarrassed to ask him to do that? If you're as good as your last play, so to speak, you better have a good play. You better have read it. He opens up his Bible, knows it. Got Jehovah. And then he gets out of here and God gives him a step of faith. And watch what he does. This is excellent right here. When he gets ready, he says, This is impossible. For with man things are impossible. With God all things are possible. That's what Luke tells us. And then he says, I can just see it in his face. He feels like, let me back up and not do this. And the man says, hurry. And he hurried, your father. What does his father say? You must believe. You must believe. You must believe. That's what I hear from my heavenly father. you got to believe. you got to believe. One of my favorite verses, when Jairus comes up and says, Jesus, you got to help me. My daughter's dying. She's only 12, like some of you. And Jesus says, all right, I'll go help you. And on his way there, he has to stop and heal someone else. And when he heals them, then a messenger comes up and says, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter died. And Jairus probably looks at the ground and goes, tears running down the man's face. And Jesus turns around and he says, 
two words. Just believe. Jairus goes, okay. His daughter's dead and this man's got joy. He's got happiness because he trusts. And when they get there, Jesus raises Jairus' little daughter back to life. But I love it. He says, just believe. In this movie, you got to believe, you got to believe, you got to believe. And so Andy takes this. He goes, I love this too. He empties himself right there. When he goes, all of me out, all of God in. Well, God, you are right. He didn't stop there. This is what I want you to do too. He goes on a cross. When he gets to the other side, what does he do? He turns and does something. Did you miss that? Takes this. Once you get saved, try to help others. Now, I know it's their faith in God. It's not your faith. I understand. But make it easier. I went to camp and I got right with God. Was this man real? You call Jesus? Absolutely. It's like throwing gravels down. It's like letting their path become a little bit clearer. I trusted in him. My life's changed. I don't want to do the things I used to. He's given me new desires. Wow. Maybe this thing is real. Yeah. See, you're sort of helping other people take a step of faith and maybe trying to make it a little bit easier for them. Now, if you're the first one to get saved, it's tough. But you can still do that too. My final line for you. The personal marks Paul gives to Timothy, he says... Remember what I told you last night? John says, you will sin, you will fall, but you've got to get back up. Paul's right here. He's charged to Timothy. If you could just take all this, he says, from your infancy, Timothy, you had a grandmother named Lois. You had a mom named Eunice that trained you up. You went on mission trips with me. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Therefore, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. So do your best. Now, you're going to stumble from time to time, but what you do after you stumble depends, or right there will depend on how much your faith takes off. And if you lay down and quit, then you're gone. If you get back up, but, but if I stumble and, and just don't do anything more for the Lord, well, you're saved. But my, what a life you'll miss because he's got a great life if you'll get back up. i got one final challenge for you. I can't paint the picture any better. What do you do when you stumble? Okay, check out this clip and you'll see what you do when you stumble. I started with the Olympics when I first came here. I'm going to end with the Olympics. These are Olympics back in about 1988, I think. They're in Calgary. And they had an amazing story that year. They had a bobsled team from, well, you check it out. This bobsled team comes from a place that you would normally not see snow. Let's go! Jamaica. Here we go!
Jesus, I can uh, I can never watch that without being touched because uh, I think of how you uh, you stumbled and you got yeah. back up. I think of those Olympics being in Calgary and they picked up a sled and I think of you on Calvary picking up a cross. And I think of us. Jesus, nobody believed, and that's a true story. No one believed in those guys from Jamaica. They said they wanted to be a bobsled team, and everybody laughed because Jesus is not going to do that. There's been people here that say, I want to be a Christian. I want to live my life for Jesus, and there will be people that laugh at them. And we'll start off great, and everything's going wonderful, and then we'll flip upside down, so to speak, in our life, and we just wonder, is it worth getting back up? Jesus, help us to... Remember, you got back up with a cross. That's my motivation. And since you live in me, I can get back up because it's really you getting up again. I don't want to keep you down. If you live in me, what you do, I, I cannot stay down. I've got to get back up. So they got back up and they crossed the finish line. And again, I'm reminded of you when you said it is finished. No matter what Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, when I finish this race, there's going to be laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd challenge and charge these people in front of me right now. These young people who've got a life in front of them. They want to give themselves to you. It's no better thing to do in this world. And sometimes we'll get touched by what someone says at a camp or what someone sings in a song. But Jesus, when we go back home, we can still be touched because we've got the same Savior. Lord, help us to get back up when we stumble. First of all, know you for sure as our Savior, and then when we stumble, ask forgiveness and get back up, and then we'll start getting stronger, and that muscle of faith will soon be one that we can count on. And we won't have so many doubts whether we're saved. We won't have so many shortcomings and falls because the stronger we get, we'll stumble less. But Jesus, help us to get through that first hard part. But as we finish camp today, nothing is too difficult for you. And you still work on hearts, and I pray that you'd go with these campers as they leave. Go with us all. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. In the name above all names, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, I thank you that you speak to people, and you've just made my lesson so much better today to show me that you speak to us anytime, anywhere. We may be in a car and look out and see a sunset and suddenly be reminded of how precious a, a God we have that gives us beauty. We can be in the middle of a meal and just be suddenly thankful for what we have before us. Or we can watch a clip from a movie and suddenly see a Savior with a cross on his back. Lord, I pray that you'd make us like that so much that wherever we walk, wherever we are, whatever we do in this life, we'll do what the Bible tells us. And whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Lord, once again, thanks for visiting us. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you'll go with me and go with the others who have you in their heart. We love you, Jesus. We'll never love you as much as you do us, but help us to try. So exalt the name of Jesus. And with hands raised high...
Jesus, may you go and be with us. And we praise you for who you are and what you do. I love you, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.